Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Anchor Church this morning. Are you glad to be in the house of God? Amen. Amen. We are, uh, we're going to pray, and um, we're going to pray and uh, believe that, uh, that God is going to help us on this Sunday morning. How's everybody doing after yesterday? Is everybody okay? Everybody all right? I see some weary hands being slowly lifted. Everybody okay after, after the loss yesterday? Is everybody all right? Too soon? Too soon? Okay. All right. Some wounded people in church today. I just feel like I've been lied to for a whole season. And uh, the truth came out yesterday. But we need to pray, don't we? We need to pray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do need to pray too. Let's let's lift our hands and let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day. This is the day you have made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. God, I'm so grateful for the body of Christ. Lord, I'm grateful for your people. Lord, I pray today, oh God, that your word would be a lamp to our feet, that it would be a light to our path. God, that it would make clear the direction. God, that we take, God, in the way that we go, Lord, I pray today, oh God, that there would be revelation, Lord, that would come into this room. God, that there would be understanding, God, about who we are, Lord, and about what you have done. I pray that that would come into this room even now. Lord, I pray that our hearts and our minds, Lord, would be ready and prepared for your word today. Lord, we're in no other place today. God, our mind, our focus, our attention, Lord, is on you today. Speak to us clearly in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord? And remain, remain standing with me as you turn to Galatians chapter 4. And I'll be beginning with verse 3. It's certainly an honor to, to speak to you in this first word session this morning. I do want to say... It's so good to have Brother Dylan Woodward here, and uh, uh, we're so happy. This is his first service here. You'll be hearing more about that. Also, his parents are here. His mom and dad are here. His brother Dawson is here. We're so happy that y'all have come and joined us today. We honor you this morning. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 3, if you're there, say, I'm there. If you're looking at the screen, say, I'm cheating. Because I forgot my Bible. And youth, we do that. We do this whole long thing. I'm cheating because I forgot my Bible. And we, I just keep adding things. So we, we won't do that today. Um, Galatians 4 and 3. This is so, so powerful. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, 
that we might receive the adoption of sons. Somebody say the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou, watch this, wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. Thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I'm going to teach on this first word session this morning on this title. No more a servant, but a son. No more a servant, but a son. Would you lift your hands and, and, and ask the Lord to, to speak to you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Oh God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Open our hearts to your word today. We love you, Lord. We exalt you today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> it's hard to imagine, but slavery in North America was socially acceptable less than 150 years ago. These precious people were born free in villages across Africa, but captured by slave traders, herded onto ships and brought to North America. Many of them did not survive the six-week voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. And for those who did survive, far worse was yet to come. Plantation owners used whips to force them to work from sunup to sundown. Most slaves simply worked until they died under the lash or from disease and exhaustion. In the 250 years that slavery lasted, millions of people, millions of people were sold into bondage. It took, it took a civil war to break the yoke of slavery. It called for a courageous president named Abraham Lincoln to stand in the gap to be misunderstood and ultimately assassinated for a cause that he believed was not only worth fighting for, but worth dying for. The Emancipation Proclamation was a presidential order announced on September 22nd of 1862 and enforced 100 days later on January 1 of 1863 declaring the freedom of all slaves. It was not a law passed by a Congress, but a proclamation issued by President Abraham Lincoln based on the war powers given to him by the Constitution. As his Union armies advanced into the South, thousands of slaves were liberated each day until nearly all four million of them were free by the summer of 1865. The emancipation was made permanent by the 13th Amendment that was ratified in December of 1865. But by then, Abraham Lincoln had paid for that document with his life on April 14th of that same year. Booker T. Washington was nine as he recounts it in his book, up from slavery. He said, as the great day drew nearer, 
there was more singing in the slave quarters than usual. It was bolder. It had more ring. It lasted later into the night. Most of the verses of the plantation songs had some reference to freedom. Some man who seemed to be a stranger, a United States officer, I presume, made a little speech and then read a rather long paper, the Emancipation Proclamation, I believe it was. After the reading, we were told that we were all free and could go when we pleased. My mother, who was standing by my side, leaned over and kissed her children while tears of joy ran down her cheeks. She explained to us what it all meant, that this was the day for which she had been so long praying, but fearing that she would never live to see. Headlines on newspapers in virtually every state read the same message. Slavery legally abolished. And yet something happened that many would have never expected. The vast majority of the slaves in the South who were legally freed continued to live on as slaves as though nothing had ever happened, as though no emancipation proclamation had been delivered to them. Slaves simply, the majority of slaves simply continued on with life as they knew it. What a tragedy it is to have a proclamation of freedom over your life and yet live still as a slave and yet still live as somebody bound by slavery. And here in Galatians is a document that the Apostle Paul essentially gave his life to write. It was the, the, the Christian's emancipation proclamation. It, it was the book of Galatians. He was, Paul was hated. He was persecuted and eventually killed for preaching that we are free in Christ, not bound by religion, not bound by sin, and also not merely free to do what we think is best, but free to live in a relationship with God. And yet, although Jesus gave his life to set us free, and though men like Paul gave their lives to preach that message, many Christians still live like they are in bondage. Many Christians still live like they are in bondage, either to religion or to sin and to the world. But Galatians chapter 4 and verse 3 in my opening text declares this. When we were children, when we were in bondage under the elements of the world, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. 
Thou art no more a servant but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Can I tell somebody in this room that if the law was enough, then Christ would not have come. And if grace was enough and doing it your own way was enough, Christ would not have come. But because those two things were not enough, there was a God in heaven who thought a man who was tempted at all points like as we yet without sin, who became Emmanuel, God with us, who was born in a manger in a lonely place where, where many could many even said, how could any good thing come out of Nazareth? He who was born in the lowliest of places and yet Christ, amen, took on the form of a man, amen, beaten and bruised and brutalized and misunderstood for the sole purpose that he would save his people from their sin. Can I tell somebody in this room on this Sunday morning, you were not meant to live bound by the law and you were not meant to live bound by your own will. You were set free, amen, by the cross of Calvary's hill. You were set free by the blood of the Lamb. You are no longer a servant to sin. I am no longer a servant to the law. I am a child of God. I have been adopted by God. You have been adopted by God. One commentary describes Galatians chapter 4 and verse 3 this way. That phrase, adoption, of sons speaks of God's legal adoption, which occurs at baptism, of those who were not sons by birth. To put it simply, baptism. Baptism buries the body born outside of Christ. Baptism, when I am baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the body that was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. The body that the nature of it is to is to do wrong and to say no and that's mine. That nature in baptism was buried. But when I came up out of those baptismal waters, I came up in newness of life. I came up with a new identity. Amen. It was. It's much more than just getting wet and submerged in a tank. The old man has passed away and behold all things have become new. I am a different person as a sign of the believer's new status as the son of God the spirit of his son as verse 6 tells us is sent into his or her heart regenerating and rebuilding the most fundamental level of the spiritual building of the spiritual being this sign manifests itself in two ways. Everybody say two ways. Number one, the new believer receives an ecstatic experience in which the spirit placed within them speaks 
crying out, Abba, Father. Somebody say the Holy Ghost. You're not going when you receive that spirit, when you are adopted, amen, into the family of Christ, you are going to know it. Scripture tells us that we will speak in a heavenly tongue, amen, as they did in the book of Acts. We will speak out of our spirit. We will speak out, Abba, Father. We will speak, amen, a language, amen, that signifies I have been adopted by Christ. And number two, the commentator says, the evidence of their sonship continues to manifest itself in new ways that the believer lives out in his or her life. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. If you'll just give me a moment to stay here in the book of Galatians. It's such an amazing book, and I would encourage you to read this book that Paul penned to the church of Galatia. He said in verse 26, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Watch, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Your identity has been changed. My identity has been changed. We're not rich or poor anymore. We're not white or black anymore. We're not bond or free anymore. We're not American, Mexican, Indian, Canadian, Texan. We're none of those things anymore. We are all one in Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm so excited at the fact that I'm not identified by what I used to be, but I am identified by the one who gave his life for me. I am one in Christ Watch Galatians 3.29. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul, two different times, emphasizes the fact that if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He does it again in Galatians 3 and 13. He said, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Paul, two times, two times, he refers twice to the blessing of Abraham in his writings of Galatia. Can I tell you that when you are born into Christ through water baptism, amen, and the evidence of receiving the Spirit of God by speaking in tongues, you become an heir I become an heir to every promise that God declared over Abraham. Every promise that he gave to Abraham is now mine, and it's now yours. 
I'm talking this morning about identity. I'm no longer a servant, but God has made me a son. I'm no, I, we've got to understand on this Sunday morning just exactly who we are. We've got to understand our identity. Somebody say identity. Paul said that, that Abraham's promises become our promises. If it's okay, I would like to read to you a couple promises that God gave to Abraham because after all, they're your promises and mine. Are you ready? Galatians 12 and 2, and I will make of thee, Abraham, a great nation. I'll bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That promise is not only Abraham's, but it's mine. Somebody say amen. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 6 is another, is another portion of the promises of Abraham. I will make of thee, I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee. Kings shall come out of thee and will establish my covenant between me and thee. God said this to you. Somebody say, God said this to me. And thy seed after thee and their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee. The land wherein thou art a stranger. And the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. He declared to Abraham that I will bless you and I will bless your seed. And Psalms chapter 37 and verse 25 makes a declaration of the seed of God. Amen. He says, I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Somebody say, that is me. I've, never been, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his people, his seed begging for bread. He's ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. His seed is blessed. I've come to tell you on this Sunday morning, if you are, if you are his seed, if you have been baptized into Christ, if you have received the Spirit of God, then you are rightfully, you are rightfully a recipient, a recipient of every promise that God gave to Abraham. You are rightfully a recipient of those promises. If God promised it to Abraham, then God has promised it to us. Why does identity matter? I won't be much longer. Why does how I see myself matter so much. We must see ourselves as sons and daughters of Christ. We must not see ourselves as merely servants. We must not see ourselves merely as people who are doing something for God. We must see ourselves as people who have been adopted into the family of Christ. Why does this matter? This matters because it, it affects how we respond when we mess up. 
how I see myself matters because it it affects the way I respond to failure in my life. It affects it very much so. How you see, have you ever messed up? Has anybody ever messed up before? A few people. I got I got 50% of the room. Has anybody ever messed up before? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Has anybody ever messed up before, but then taken it a step further and say and said, I don't I don't know if I don't know if God loves me? Has anybody ever taken it a step further? I have. I, I don't I don't know if I could ever get this right. I don't know if I could ever. Do this right. It's hard. It's difficult. How we see ourselves affects how we respond when we make a mistake. When I know and understand that I am a son of God, that I am a child of God, when I see myself the right way, I see him the right way. Because when I make a mistake, When Winston makes a mistake, when he messes up, and he's messed up, man, I'm telling you, he's made mistakes. He, you know, he he quoted Galatians 1 and 8 the other day. Though we are an angel, preach any other gospel to you than which we preach, let him be accursed. Winston doesn't know the word accursed, so he said the closest thing to it. He said, let him be crucified. Winston's made a couple mistakes in his life. <laughs> He's messed up. But as a father in his life, when he makes a mistake, I don't beat him. I mean, let me take that back. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I do beat him sometimes. In a healthy way, not in a not in, you know, not in a over, not in a concerning way. You ain't gotta call nobody. When he makes a mistake, the mistake is corrected. The correction is made. But I promise you, after I make a correction to Winston, I don't, I don't shoo him away. I don't say, I don't want to see you right now. I don't say, I don't want to be around you right now. That, that's never happened. I, I, I don't want to be near you. That, that has never happened as a father. It's never happened. Every time I correct him, I want to be near him. I want to be close. And you know what? He wants to be close to me. It's amazing. It's amazing how kids will, will run, will, 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 will gravitate to the place that is given correction. Amen. Discipline is not a response. Can I say this? Correction is not a response to your emotion. Do you hear me? Correction in, in a family is not a response to, you, you don't correct when the child just gets you to this emotional level. You don't base correction off of that. Where I get to, well, I'm going to wait until I get really angry and then, or really frustrated or really fed up, and then I'm going to correct. You're doing correction wrong. Correction is not a response to emotion. Correct, correction is a response to a deviated direction. And when you make correction based off of it, 
you're going this way with your actions or your words or your mind, but I want you to go, when you base your correction off of a deviated direction, then correction can be done properly. Correction is not done based upon how mad or, or, or how frustrated or fed up I am. It's based upon they're off course. Let me bring them back on. You hear me? And so it matters how we see ourselves because it affects how, uh, it affects how we believe God sees us. When God corrects us, he does not shoo us away. When we make a mistake, we, God does not say, I don't want to see you anymore. I, I don't want to be near you. When God corrects us, amen, he said, he said, he said I, I love whoever I correct or chasteneth, I, I, I love. It is a sign of love. God loves us enough to correct us, and we cannot respond to a sinful a moment, a mistake that we make, we cannot respond to that moment in, in a way, in an unhealthy way that says, God does not love me. I'm not good enough. I will never have, I will never have it all together. I will never be able to get the rules down just enough. That's not how we should respond when we make a mistake. When we make a mistake, we should run to our Father. We should run to God and say, I know, I, I I know I messed up and I am sorry but I also know in this moment I am your son I am you don't hate me you're not against me and and really when it boils down to it I, my works don't save me anyway your death saved me what you did has saved me and so I run to you in this moment it affects how we see ourselves affects how we respond when we mess up. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. Not by works of righteousness, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. You are not saved by what you do. What you do is, is, is a reflection of the saving that you have already received. What you do, there is an element that we must obey. If you love me, keep my commandments. He said that. He said be separate and be holy. He said all of those things, and I believe that, and we practice that, but we cannot do just because we're supposed to do. We have to do because there's something in us that says I want to do what pleases my Father. The opposite of legalism, which is just doing the right things, is not license. The opposite, did you hear me? The opposite of legalism is not license. It's not license just to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. The opposite of legalism is love. We don't stop. We never stop obeying the law of God. We just obey the law for a different reason. We obey the law for a different reason. Children, 
children obeying their parents. They don't obey the parents out of legalism, but when children but when children know and they understand that you love them, there is something in them that wants to obey. There's something in them that wants to make you happy. There's something in them that wants to please the parent. And it should be our nature. It should be our nature to try to do to the best of our ability what God has called us to do, not because we have to, but because we have been adopted. He didn't have to do what he did. He didn't have to take me in. He didn't have to buy me with his own blood. He could have left me by myself. He didn't have to robe himself in flesh, but I'm so glad that he adopted me, that he purchased me, and that he gave his life so that I could have my own. John chapter 15 and verse 4. Two Elisha ministers would help me. There's a, there's a pine tree branch back there. I asked for a branch and they gave me a tree. If you'll grab that for me quickly, it's back there in the green room in that corner. Is everybody all right? 1032, I'm almost done. John chapter 15, verse 4. The Lord says, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except ye abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in really struggling. <laughs> you just, just set it right here if you would. I told, I told Brother Andrew and Ethan, I said, I said, I just need a branch. It set it up here on the platform, on the platform. I just need a branch of a, of a, of a pine tree. Could you do that? They said, yeah, no problem. And they bring me back a tree. <clears throat> Somebody's missing something out of their yard. This, this is the branch off of a pine tree. This is a branch off of a pine tree. No matter what I do to this branch, it will always be a pine tree. The, the identity, the, the, the thing that it is characterized by, the tree that it comes from, it will always be a pine, right? It doesn't matter if it's connected to the tree or if it's disconnected to the tree. The identity of this branch is a pine branch. And it's the same way with, with being born into Christ. My identity, I have been born into Christ. My identity has been changed. And so it does not matter if I'm, if I'm living right or even if I'm living wrong, doesn't mean you're saved, but it, but, it does, but it doesn't negate the fact that my identity has been changed. I am still a different person than I used to be. Are you with me right now? This branch has been separated from the source. This branch of the tree has been somehow 
some way. Two guys thought this would be a branch, and, and you know, you know, they, they separated it from its source. And it can last on its own for a little while. It looks green. It, 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 it looks nice right now. It doesn't look like too much is going on. But, but the longer you leave that branch disconnected from its source, the more the characteristics of this branch will begin to decay. The, the needles will turn brown. The, 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 the limbs will start to sag. And, and all of these different things will start to happen when, I, when, I dis, when it's disconnected from its source. And so what you have to understand this morning is that whether you are doing good or you are doing bad, your identity is still in Christ. It's still in Christ. I'm still his son. I'm still his daughter. People get nervous when you say that because, because it's not a license to sin. It's not a license to, to mess up or do, or, or do whatever we want to do. What, what we have to be mindful of is, yes, my identity has changed, but my identity does not determine the choices I make. It influences them. The Holy Ghost, the spirit within us, has the ability to influence our decisions. But how many know that we still have the ability? At no point does God take our ability to choose away. At no point. Does he ever, does he take our will away? Never does he take our will away. You will always be left with your choice. And so the question and the thing that we have to get today is when I make a mistake and I mess up, my identity doesn't change. My connectivity changes. My connectivity to the source of my strength. My connectivity to the fruit of the Spirit changes. It, 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 so many wrong actions and, and so many wrong things and mistakes. Sin separates us. It separates us from a holy and pure and just and loving God. Sin separates us from Him. And so when we make a mistake, there is a separation that occurs. And we, amen, as Christians and believers must understand that when we make a mistake, we simply cry out to the Father and ask for forgiveness. And if we will obey Scripture, He said, I am faithful and I am just to forgive you of those sins. And God has His way of grafting us back in, of grafting us back into the tree. Amen. Don't, don't, you got to understand your identity hasn't changed. You're still a child of God. Your connectivity is what has, is what has changed. Stand with me all over the room. I am no more a servant. I am a son of God. I don't live this life because I have to live this life. I don't live this life because somebody's making me. I live this life because, oh, what a God that he would do all of those things for me. Surely the least that I could do is present myself back to him. For ye are crucified 
with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ within me. You're not a servant. You're a son. You're a daughter of the king. I've come to set somebody free from the mentality of if I don't do it all right all the time, he's going to hate me and turn his back on me. No. No, no, no. When you do wrong, your identities, you're still, you're still his child. You're still his son. You're still his daughter. You just got to get connected back. You just got to come back to the Father. You just got to, come on, he's not there saying, I don't want anything to do with you. He's saying, you're mine. And if you want to, it's available to you. Forgiveness is available to you. Mercy is available to you. Grace is available to you today. For his mercy is new every morning. I just want you to lift your hands and respond to what you feel right now. Lord, I thank you for your word. Oh. I thank you, oh God, that while I was yet a sinner, you died. You gave your life for me. Lord, I pray today in this building, God, that there would be people, saints of God, under the sound of my voice that would settle the question of their identity that would settle the question of who I am, Lord. I pray today, God, that we would understand that we are sons and daughters of Christ. Lord, let us not question your love for us. Let us never question, oh God, your love for us. The cross was enough. It was enough to prove to me today, to prove to me tomorrow, to prove to me for the rest of my life. The cross was enough to prove to me that you love me and you're not going to turn your back on me. And I pray today, oh God, that for every saint in this building, Lord, that they would remain connected, that they would remain connected to you, not because they have to, but because they have an opportunity to, they have an opportunity to be connected, amen, to the life-giving, to the all-knowing and all-loving God of heaven and earth. I pray, oh God, that they would remain connected to the source of strength, connected to their source of love, connected to their source of peace, connected to their source of joy, connected to the source of every fruit of the Spirit that is within you. Oh God, I pray it in Jesus' name. I wish you'd just take another moment right here and just love the Lord. Come on, God is in this room right now. I'm not a servant, but I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of Christ. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.